Movie is proud to present Lover for a Day, the latest film from veteran auteur Philippe Garel, starring his daughter Esther Garel in a stunning breakout performance. An elegantly crafted tale of desire, friendship, and fidelity, named one of the top 10 films of the year by Caillou du Cinema, Lover for a Day opens January 12th exclusively at the Film Society of Lincoln Center. The Sundance Film Festival is returning to Park City, Utah, January 18th through the 28th. Check out the newly announced program of world premiere films, virtual reality, and events at sundance.org festival. Passes and ticket packages are available now, and tickets go on sale in early January. Hello and welcome to the Film Comment Podcast. My name is Violet Luca, and I'm the digital producer. Garment construction is an art form with many constraints. If you cut the pieces on the wrong grain line, the finished product won't stretch or hang off the body properly. Exacting arts attract exacting creators, and one such designer, and the company he keeps, is examined and deconstructed in Paul Thomas Anderson's new film, Phantom Thread. I was joined by Sheila O'Malley from RogerEbert.com, and I write for Film Comment and other places too who wrote our cover story about the film to discuss its sensuality and humor and the fine cut of its portrayal of relationships. I thought it was really great how you opened your piece discussing George Cukor's The Women and this fashion show that is in this unbelievable technicolor in an otherwise black and white film. And when I was reading your piece and you're talking about the absolute pleasure of looking at beautiful people in beautiful clothes, I was... uh, Naturally, I was reminded of Laura Mulvey's uh, essay about visual pleasure and narrative cinema and, you know, like the scopophilia. But this film, in regards to desire and scopophilia and looking and sensuality, is just so unique. I mean, you could very easily apply like an old school Freudian reading to it, but there's so many more interesting things to talk about. So I guess what do you because you seem to have a very visceral. I love this reaction. Yeah, having seen it again, too, I was really struck by how just tactile it is. Like, Mm -hmm. I felt like I could feel the fabric. I could feel the, you know, I was noticing things like his thumb is all screwed up because he pierces it so often. And there's just a a level of which I think Paul Thomas Anderson has that sort of very meticulous. I mean, I thought inherent vice was, you know, to die for. I mean, Mm -hmm. I I think that might be. And the master, I mean... Mm -hmm. But this is different. It feels different for him. It's a, you know, this interior, you know, only a couple of locations with women gliding around. I was like, I'm watching the women. I mean, that's, that's what I thought. And then like a couple of days after that, there was an interview with, uh, after I saw it, there was an interview with um, Paul Thomas Anderson, where he said, my ideal is like, having Myrna Loy slap me across the face. Yes, yes. And I was like, this is what this guy, you know, is tapping into. And um, there's nothing, I mean, I don't know who's saying, oh, who cares about people in beautiful clothes? But maybe <laughs> there is that feeling. If you go back and see the women or if you go back to the, like, every single every single drama has a woman in a nightclub singing mm-hmm. a song and or a dance number. And now you'd have to try to make it seem realistic or make it seem like there's a like a little embarrassment about the theatricality of it yeah and uh he has none of that which I love which I love yeah 
It's funny to think of this in comparison with another new release, Greatest Showman, about sort of this factionalized musical about P.T. Barnum. And this film, as you say, has this, it's a it's very finite number of locations, but it has this expansiveness that there is present in There Will Be Blood. And even just thinking about something like the New Year's Eve ball that they go mm -hmm. to and seeing that these are real paper mache made out of newspaper fake heads. These people are actually falling down. And it's not just sort of like he went to the trouble of getting the extras and orchestrating this wacky party. Right. Just for our pleasure, really in this one scene. And there's no real dialogue, but it's still so emotive and puts you so firmly in this place that it's just... I don't know. It's like it's it's someone shaking you and being like, or at least to me, I feel sh yeah. shaken. Like this is cinema. This is what all movies should be. Right. For me, it just hits like that sweet spot for, mm -hmm. and he has from he has from the beginning. That's I don't know what to say, what else to say about that. Yeah. Well, I guess it might be interesting to think of it. You know, the 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 romance aspect of this because. Sort of like in the mood for love, there is this sense of tactility and sensuality, but there's no sex, right? Really, and the way that you know you kind of don't know if Reynolds Woodcock, the ridiculously named Reynolds Woodcock, and Jeremiah is his middle name. I, know. I mean, you can't. <laughs> I mean, the guy's yeah. doomed, right? You I know, know, I know. Yeah, uh, that he is. From when you first encounter him, you're like, is he a non-practicing homosexual? Is he bisexual? Celibate. Is he That's celibate? Thought, yeah. Like, you kind of don't know. And I think by the end of the film, you still don't really know what the hell is going on. Because even though you do see them kind of go in the same bedroom together, he takes these nightly walks that are, you know, sort of crepuscular maybe mm. nighttimey and you, you don't you there's no there's no real it's got it's always kind of refusing this uh finality of what their romance actually is but these are two people who just desperately need each other mm -hmm. absolutely and in that like the first scene with really you know any dialogue where we hear him speak is when he goes to meet with his sister mm -hmm. at dinner and says, I have this unsettled feeling. I just, again, this is kind of the theatricality of Paul. He's like putting it right out there. Mm -hmm. He's not trying to subtly show, like he's having the character come out and say, something is wrong and I'm not sure what, <laughs> you know? And then the next scene, he yeah. meets, she's like, well, why don't you go to the country? And yes. oh my gosh, this woman comes in. I, I don't know. I appreciate unembarrassed theatricality like mm -hmm. that. It takes a certain kind of bravery to just kind of put it out there and, and not try to bury the lead yeah and it's really hard to pull off well very hard to pull off and or you feel like see I liked The Greatest Showman and I'm mm -hmm. standing on a very as Owen Gleiberman wrote he was like I'm on a lonely island and <laughs> I I really get it but for me it's like that showbiz it's not trying to be anything other than than what it is but mm -hmm. I I do appreciate Someone who knows, okay, well, the, we know what this story is. We know mm -hmm. what the story is. And we're going to show you beautiful people in beautiful clothes. We're going to have, you know, it's going to be a very interesting story about work and how how these fashion homes, because I didn't know any of that stuff. Yeah. But really, it's a romance. And we're going to show you that up front. Yeah. You know, and I was very curious about their sex life. I mean, I was thinking about it. I was like, who is this guy? Who, mm -hmm. what is, but something, something in this pairing 
which doesn't make sense on the face of it works. And I'm sure we all know couples like that. Mm-hmm. And the role of his sister. And I, I feel like there were so many little, like when I first watched it, I felt like Cyril hates her and is trying to stop this. And then after a certain point, she sort of comes over to Alma's side. But then after a second viewing, I'm like, she's kind of in love with Alma. There are these little moments of when they're exchanging looks where she or just her being like, you know, I really like Alma. Oh, you know, and just smiling. And again, this is something I think that is a testament to what Leslie Manville can bring to the table. Mm. But you just get a sense that it's not just this veneer of politeness, that there is something these two, you know, the Woodcock siblings are a package deal. And if you get one, you get both, whether you want to or not. And like, there's something there's something about the way that Alma seduces her, too, that I and, think. And you can tell if Cyril yeah. doesn't like her. Yeah. You know, she's not going to last. Exactly. But she's watching like an eagle, you know, mm-hmm. like, how is she dealing with this? How is she in something? I'm still not quite sure at the moment when Cyril is like you know what? She's, she's good for him. Right. I think it might have been, and this was from my second time mm-hmm. when, when she says it's the first scene with the buttering of the toast. Oh yes, yes, yes. And Alma immediately shows some spirit and says, yeah, okay. I didn't know that breakfast was supposed to be quiet, but I still think he's too fussy. Like yeah. she stands her ground. Mm-hmm. And I think Cyril would hate it in one kind of person, but for whatever reason, yeah. she she recognizes she's a strong woman and she recognizes a strong woman mm-hmm. who might be good for her brother. Yeah, because there are so many things about Alma that when you first hear them, you're like, oh, she's submissive. She says things like, oh, I can stand endlessly. No one can stand as long as I can. And you're like, Oh, that's a, such a sad thing. But then you're like, wait, no, that well, means let's think she'll about that. never, she'll <laughs> never sit down. She will never give up for you. I would stand your ground. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Or just even like on their first date where he brings his ridiculous car up to, you know, very fast to pick her up. And she sort of goes for, to open the door and then she pulls back her hand and she lets him do it. Right. And it's like, there are these little things where it's like, you know, she's she's kind of feeling him out, playing games, playing down who she is or trying to like titrate what she wants from any of this. And in the end, she gets what she wants mm-hmm. and a hell of a lot more, which is I don't know. It's it's so it's so incredible to it's me. So interesting. Yeah. And especially from Paul Thomas Anderson again you would not think that he would be necessarily invested in a romance or a film where the women are really the center of the drama. Yeah, no, it's definitely, I saw it at the Directors Guild. And uh, so he was there afterwards. They all were there. Mm -hmm. And this is a quote that has been sort of repeated, but he said, you know, the question was, how'd you get the idea? Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, I was um, lying on the couch and I was really, really sick. And my, my wife looked at me with a kind of affection that I hadn't seen in a long time. <laughs> like, normally, you know, they have four kids, I think. Right. And she was like, oh, poor baby. And he yeah. was like, this is interesting. I kind of liked it. I was so <laughs> revealing. And, you know, because I, I definitely feel that this film has a vulnerability in it that mm-hmm. might not be present. And not, you know, every film has different requirements or contexts. And this mm-hmm. feels 
extremely personal. And when he said that, I was like, oh, okay, okay. He's kind of taking that idea and sort of, you know, making it absurd and very dramatic, which I just thought was fabulous. I just loved it. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, um, I was rewatching um, The Master in preparation for this. And my boyfriend told me that, oh, Joaquin Phoenix thought it was a comedy when he first watched it. And I was like, you know, it's it's one of the because even when he's getting chased out of the farm by the Filipino workers because this old guy has died because he's poisoned himself on his this magical hooch that he's made this poisonous From hooch thing motor oil or From whatever motor, yeah <laughs> like so Freddie Quell the great uh, mixologist before that was a real profession you know he that that scene is hilarious and then I sort of rewound it and thought and I was like oh my god all of this is actually very funny and that's what Phantom Thread does so well is that it is totally making fun of like he's a horrible beast who can only come to love Absolutely. with this beautiful There's young a- woman <laughs> but it's totally it's, fucked it's up and ridiculous commenting on it but it's also pushing it to a level of like okay we are yeah. we are asking the audience to find her poisoning him kind of charming and kind of daring and oh you go girl you know a proto-feminist gesture right like oh you know and and he's trusting that we and i'm sure that there are people who don't feel this way that we are going to want her to capture this guy's heart that we are going to want her to get what she wants Mubi is proud to present lover for a day the latest film from veteran auteur Philippe Garel. Fresh from its premiere in Cannes and its official selection by the 55th New York Film Festival, Garel's latest elegantly crafted tale of desire, friendship, and fidelity stars his daughter, Esther Garel, in a stunning breakout performance. Hailed as bittersweet and intoxicating by the film stage and sensuous by the New York Times, and named one of the top 10 films of the year by Cahiers du Cinema, Lover for a Day opens January 12th exclusively at the Film Society of Lincoln Center. Plus, catch Esther Gorel for an in-person Q&A opening weekend. Details at filmlink.org. The Sundance Film Festival is returning to Park City, Utah, January 18th through the 28th. Check out the newly announced program of world premiere films, virtual reality, and special events. Plus, get the lowest rates on lodging at sundance.org festival. You know, she's not really filled in as a character. I've filled it in in my head, you know. She hates the royal family, the Belgian royal family. Is that your? That, well, she, she, she Oh, because clearly... of, the, of the monarchy, because of with the princess yeah. scene and stuff. Yeah. I feel like, and, and even when she's like, oh, isn't she going to look great? Like, I feel like right. it's sarcastic. Right. Small, it's, there are like vicissitudes to, uh, yeah. to Alma. Yeah. Hard to tell. <laughs> It is hard to tell, but I mean, I feel like she was probably thrust out pretty early. Her mother died. Mm -hmm. She doesn't have a, you know, so she's kind of living by her wits. Yes. And Cyril and Reynolds are just really no match for Mm -hmm. as, you know, which I just thought was so great because she is someone that you might underestimate or that you would think, wow, she's really, how would I feel? on this first date, if he's wiping my lipstick off and saying that I look better without it. If I, if you were another kind of woman, you might be like, excuse me, exactly. sir. And then might, you might miss out on this great romance though. Oh, <laughs> I know. You know, that is a lot of the time, not great as real right. romance is. Right. Which, right. Which is great. 
they're on their honeymoon and she's buttering the toast and you can see him just <laughs> boiling like oh you know yes. yeah that, yeah i mean with regards to comedy and this comedy sliding into drama and vice versa their lives seem so the way that he sort of establishes their economic you know circumstances where they are at the whims of some of the most silly people right in the world right and they are ultimately beholden to these to these women that you know maybe they don't like that are actually really ghastly people who got their money in ghastly ways but they live for it in a and they're just utterly drawn to fulfilling their desires to other people i don't know it's it's yeah. such a it's such it's a, a fascinating high risk profession too it's, yes it's not and i i had forgotten seeing it the second time i had forgotten about it's very near the end where he's flipping out because one of his clients went to another house for yes. the because it's chic and he finally says you know this hurts my feelings it's a, a very precarious situation and you know the 60s are coming like how yeah. is he going to develop his style it's interesting i mean i don't know much about that world but you know big change is coming exactly and that she in this fucked up but also kind of a beautiful way she wants to shepherd him through it and she doesn't want his you know his clothes to be you know dusty or full of ghosts or whatever and right. that she's going to subsume him and carry on his vision but it will but it's also her vision it's right. it's this again there's this it's one thing but it's this other thing and it's quite not either that i i get i i just it's like catnip i love it yeah love yeah. it <laughs> <laughs> no i feel the same way yeah i feel the same way and her kind of not embarrassed about you know going up to this princess and going i live here oh yeah pissing on her corner like excuse me <laughs> and she's not afraid to do that i don't know i won't get into biographical stuff but i would like i'm i find that aspirational mm -hmm. she's playing a game but she's not afraid to be at all from the beginning like i'm into you yeah i'm into you and so i'm going to behave like i'm into you i'm not going to pretend i'm not yeah i mean i even think of you know their their meat cute right where she's stumbling through this restaurant that she works at every day <laughs> and you never see her stumble around like that ever again. And it's like, is this just, she had too much to drink the night before and maybe she's not so great on her feet or is she's just really trying to pick up one of these guys who comes to this hotel right. because she can tell that, oh my God, all of those clothes are clearly bespoke. They're beautifully made. Let me try, maybe let me try and get in here. Right. Try and, uh, yeah, she's open guy. to him from the from the get-go. Yeah. The second he sees her, he's taken with her and she feels the the gaze and her big red cheeks. You yeah, know, she's yeah. like, All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna be open to this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to let him flirt with me and I'm gonna impress him by remembering his breakfast order. <laughs> his lengthy breakfast order. The hungry boy, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but I do I do wanna talk more a bit about the other women in this film specifically barbara rose who is the um the drunk the drunk who's marrying the young dominican <laughs> who sold passports to jews during the war who i i read this about princess margaret the other day and i was like that's exactly right uh which is that you know she was ghastly in a way that brings out the worst in other people huh and i'm like 
because you feel horrible for this woman, but also you're like, I understand why they kind of hate her, which is so unfair, which is so unfair. You feel for her in this way that's not entirely, it, it, it's sort of embarrassed almost. It's hard, it's hard to sort of pin down. Yeah. I mean, her moment where she looks in the mirror and she doesn't feel, he can't make her beautiful. Yes. And she's devastated. Yeah. But at the same time, she's like scrunching the collar down mm -hmm. and she's kind of just a big selfish child who is used to doing whatever she wants and mm -hmm. um, is looking for love. Like she's just the way she looks at him and yet she's behaving badly. Yeah. And here comes this, you know, former waitress who's like, mm -mm, no, we're going to, no, you do not wear his dress and behave like that, which was, uh, was the big, yeah, I mean, he fell in love with her in that yeah. moment in a way because she was his champion, his warrior, you know. She went to a place he couldn't go. And he, he was he was scolding her for please don't start, start crying. Like he's, he's stuck in his ways, you know. I mean, this is why I compared it to like bringing a baby and stuff mm -hmm. and, you know, this sort of uptight, it's the cliche, it's this <laughs> kind of uptight, sexless nerd who really does love his work and is really good at what he does. And any woman who came in and said, God, you just love your work so much. Why don't you love me? You know, that yeah. would not fly with him. Right. You know, this kind of woman who's like, why don't you have more time for me? You know, I would be like, bye-bye, bye-bye. <laughs> I am Reynolds Woodcock and I need a lot of space, you know? Yes. Um, but, you know, like, so, and like at the end of bringing up baby, he, she destroys his dinosaur skeleton that he's been working on for 20 years and he shouts I've never had a better time right. and for me that is what um and it really clicked for me when Paul Thomas Anderson said his goal in life was to be slapped across the face by Myrna Loy that there's something in that that he found very sexy which I think a lot of people do mm -hmm. yeah and she's not quite a ditzy she's not at all she's targeted don't talk to me like that mm -hmm. but I'm not going anywhere oh yeah you know she, I mean, I have to say Vicky Creeps is like a master grumbler. If someone else tried saying this, it would kind of be insufferable, but the way she's just like, no, it's too much. No. So works. Yeah. Well, and you respect her then. I mean, mm -hmm. I, you know, which I think is really, really important that you don't, I think that's his writing yes. for sure. And I feel that in his Punch Drunk Love, which is another whole very difficult kind of romance in lesser hands, that would feel like, oh, man boy is, you mm -hmm. know, grows up because of why would this like fabulous woman want to be with? Well, because some women look at men like that and go, I see something in you and I'm yeah. willing to, to like, kind of stick around and figure it. And he's very into that. Yeah. He, he you know, but he has his own spin on it. But yeah, I think if, if Alma had been, submissive and then exploding well we've seen that before like mm -hmm. you can't talk to me but from the first date when cyril comes in and he says why don't you stand stand up straight and she's like i how do you want me? like like she lets him know oh yeah don't talk to me like that you didn't say that oh i love that oh it's I great love that and scene. so you're like okay i don't have to really worry about her she's exactly. taking care of herself and so i can just kind of relax and watch all the crazy oh know? oh yeah no in that and i mean i love again this sense of this is very old song and dance for Cyril 
and for Reynolds that they have that Cyril comes up the stairs sort of expecting him to be by himself and she sees this woman there and she immediately goes to the couch sits down starts taking the measurements like it's it's a very and in a way that doesn't feel trite again I think a, a testament to the fact that this is having fun at serious men or difficult men being tamed by right. uh, tough women. You know, the ending where Alma's talking about the future and then he's like, oh, I'm hungry. Right. I'm very hungry. And it's like, here we go again. But it's not. But it, it's like that and it's not. And I just remember the first time I saw it, my job was just like on the floor because I'm like, I can't believe this is happening. Right. Because it's such, in a way that's so wonderful because it takes a lot to surprise me watching a movie. Yeah, I was completely, <laughs> I did not see that coming at all. And no. I hadn't heard anything about it. So I was like, oh, you know, the beguiled too, because that would happen. I was like, what is it with poison mushrooms? Oh, I know. And, you know. It reminds, yeah, actually, um, I overheard someone tell a Jake LaMotta stand-up joke about his ex-wives dying because they ate the mushrooms. And then the third one, uh, <laughs> the third one just getting a divorce because she wouldn't eat the mushrooms. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I feel like a part of New York history now. <laughs> um, but with regards to the Barbara Rose arc, I think ultimately the film is about a woman who she could only see her flaws before. And that this relationship makes her whole in a way that's not like, oh, I found my perfect mate but that there's so much more that comes with her role as a mate. I mean, it is sort of this proto-feminist thing where she's learning this entirely new set of skills. She's learning this creative expression and she's feeling very liberated despite having to be careful about how she cuts her toast in the morning. Right. And right. it's just so, it's, it's <laughs> such a, it's such a wonderful, I, I, I don't know. It's just a very understated. Well, I guess too, I mean, it's an exaggerated version of this, but relationships or one person can't be doing all the work and they're both weirdos. I mean, they're yeah. not a hundred percent. I said on Twitter, I was talking with someone on and I was like, you know, who else would put up with either of them, you know, and that's exactly. how I feel it with the screwballs too. Yeah. You know, that you look at Cary Grant and, and you, Catherine Hepburn and you think, well, no one is gonna, but that together they're perfect. Like mm-hmm. Alma would be bored out of her mind by a regular guy or, and, you know, he needs to be challenged and grounded and made, you know, life made exciting. Sparks. Yeah. He gets to fight with her. That's the other thing is the fights can be liberating. And he, he doesn't like throw her out. He's mean. But a lot of people are, you know, he's we're not mean, but just like, why are you, you know, she's like cooked this whole dinner and he's like, I don't understand. You know that I don't like asparagus, but blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And there's this whole space around that fight where they're sort of getting to know each other in this very bizarre circumstance. And then the next morning he like kisses her on the cheek and it's, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. It feels, it feels very grown up to me. Yeah. You know, in a way it's kind of like, there's no happily ever after. I still am not sure they may go the distance. No. He um, might, he might just, his liver just might give out, you know, the, right, can't take right, any more mushrooms. Right. Or, it right. happens. <laughs> He's kind of old to be bit, pulling this right. stuff. Or maybe it's a cumulative effect. <laughs> yep. Yeah. No, I know. And I do like that you say grown up because it, this is a story that everyone's very familiar with easily dip into the fast island. Yet there are so many, 
there's so many variables to this that are always spinning, always changing. And like, it's it, again, you're, you're always going to be surprised. You, yeah. There's nothing, there's nothing definite. Right. Except for the dresses, which is great. Right. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. All right. I think we could end it there. But okay. before we do, it would be great if uh, we both talked about a film that we've seen recently that we liked. I'll go first. I saw uh, Wormwood. I actually saw it twice. Uh, Wormwood, the new Errol Morris documentary. And it's so, it's something that constantly changes and it has this indefiniteness. And I love that there are at least two antagonists of this really long, complicated story that are the CIA, the mystery spook horribleness of cold war fears and wanting to deny you know biological weapons and kind of man's inhumanity to man and then there's Cy Hirsch who's like I know but I mean I ain't telling he's like so it's like Cy Hirsch just tell us just tell us you're so you're so mean who is your source that is a million years old and is like, you can't tell anybody, Cy? Take it to the grave. You're not getting any younger, Cy. It's so rude. But again, what Errol Morris does with this, it's an incredible story and he tells it. I spoke with him, I guess, two falls ago and he was talking about, you know, a lot of people have borrowed or stolen my style and he was looking for a way to sort of reinvent it. And I think this is just like a fantastic demonstration of that. And I really hope he continues making these. He keeps going on the murder tip. I love it. Good old arrow. But what about you, Sheila? Well, I'm going to bring it down. Um, <laughs> I love Wormwood too. I watched for the first time. Um, it's kind of a dumb movie, but I really enjoyed it called country strong mm. because I was working on just a brief piece about Garrett Hedlund, who is just, killing it mm -hmm. um in mudbound this year i was like well, let me just kind of i remember inside lewin davis and he really made an impression on me but i i need to like familiarize myself and i had not seen country strong and um roger ebert's review said it started with something like this is the best film of 1957 which just killed <laughs> me he was like rock hudson and sandra d and it really is that it's this melodrama doesn't even cut it you know <laughs> um this sort of drunk Faith Hill type country singer, but everyone's very good in it. Tim McGraw is really good in it. Gwyneth Paltrow and Garrett Hedlund, who does his own singing, does his own guitar playing. Mm. He's got that deep voice. You completely buy him as a sort of not a guy who wants to be a star, but a guy who loves that Friday night gig at like a honky tonk. You know, that's kind of what he wants to do. And, um, I'm a sucker. The little romance there really worked for me. Um, I was like, tear, tear. <laughs> it's like very touching. I'm ve like very excited by him right now. And I think he's kind of special and as an actor. And when you look at his sort of career, it's kind of been all over the place. He works all the time. And it's interesting to see a movie that is maybe not all that great and to see what an actor does who is really gifted with something that's maybe not all that great. He kind of doesn't try to go for the brass ring. Mm -hmm. He kind of is just very chill, super sexy, but without making a big deal about it. And then Gwyneth Paltrow has a moment where she gives another younger country singer advice. And it's really amazing advice as well. Have you seen the movie? No. It's this whole monologue like, okay, here's what you're going to do. If you're going to be a star, don't wear satin. <laughs> 
always wear high heels in public, you know, and it's like this and she's got her hair up and curlers. And I was like, oh, she, she like really played it well. So I really enjoyed it. Wormwood and Country Strong. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's good. Too great. Is that on Netflix? <laughs> Amazon. I saw that on Amazon. Well, I'm sold because I do. I do actually really like it when there's Filled a movie. with music, too. Yeah. Filled with songs. She And Gwyneth can sing. So. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. I enjoyed it. It is super refreshing to see, like, okay, this is not maybe not the best writing, but these people are really putting their heart and, and soul into it. You can't believe it. it. I mean, it's like the drunk scenes, and Gwyneth <laughs> is just like acting. You know, it is like I am in, you know, acting my heart out, and uh, I enjoy that though. Yeah, it's great. Thank you for coming. This was such a pleasure. This was so much fun. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to the Film Comment Podcast, produced by Violet Luca and Nicholas Rippold, with music by Greg Anji. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Film Comment is a bi-monthly magazine published by the Film Society of Lincoln Center. Since 1962, Film Comment has featured in-depth reviews, critical analysis, and feature coverage of mainstream, arthouse, and avant-garde filmmaking from around the world. Visit us online at filmcomet.com slash subscribe to purchase a digital or print subscription to the magazine, or check out our app, available on Android, iOS, and Kindle at filmcomet.com slash app. Movie is proud to present Lover for a Day, the latest film from veteran auteur Philippe Garel, starring his daughter Esther Garel in a stunning breakout performance an elegantly crafted tale of desire, friendship, and fidelity, named one of the top 10 films of the year by Caillou du Cinema, Lover for a Day opens January 12th exclusively at the Film Society of Lincoln Center. The Sundance Film Festival is returning to Park City, Utah, January 18th through the 28th. Check out the newly announced program of world premiere films, virtual reality, and special events. Plus, get the lowest rates on lodging at sundance.org festival.